Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Neil the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists. For oh, 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 oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 no. oh, no. right Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor Oladipo! Throws it back to Oladipo. Stevenson behind, drives inside! And the foul! Lance Stevenson! Chance for a three-point play. He just headbutted the Stanton. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod Podcast. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Born Ready to Pod Podcast. My name is Chris Cook. Sitting next to me, as always, Jake Light, Eric Hawk. Guys, what's going on today? Just got back from a nice long vacation at Kentucky Lake. Did a little fishing and camping. It's good to be back with you guys. I had the itch to you know sit down and talk paces with you gentlemen. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go today. Uh, we haven't podcasted in what? It's been almost like two weeks since we've been together here in the Born Ready to Pod studios. It's been way too long. It's been way too long. Um, I'm getting ready to start back teaching again, so I can't, I can't, you know, I, I just can't think of anything else other than podcasting because I know my life ends next week. So I'm ready to pod and... Uh, Interesting to see what we're going to be talking about today with old Grant Afseth. Yeah, uh, as he had just mentioned, we have a special guest on the podcast today, Grant Afseth. He is a writer for the Pacers online. He's got a big following on Twitter, so he's a big analytics guy, so that's going to air here just in a few minutes. Before we get into that, though, the uh, Christmas Day schedule and opening week schedule came out today, and well, we're recording this on Wednesday, so it came out, and the Pacers... Uh, did not have an opening week game or a Christmas Day game. I wasn't shocked about that, but what are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, absolute disrespect. They gave the Knicks and the Bucks a 12 o'clock game on Christmas. The Knicks, the Enos Cantor-led Knicks, got a Christmas Day game. What do you guys think? It sucks. I mean, I, it doesn't really bother me that much, I guess, because I don't, I don't really care. i got other things going on on Christmas Day, but... It's blatant disrespect to have the Knicks and Bucks over like the Pacers, Raptors, or the Pacers versus somebody else. When was the last time we got a, a Christmas Day game? It's been. Uh, a while. It was two thousand and four. We played the Pistons. Yeah, I, I no. don't think we're gonna get one anytime soon. Honestly, if this no. trend keeps happening. I mean, we are, you know, at worst probably the fourth best team in the East. Um, on you know good stretches, we're you know second or third. I don't I, again, we're not as good as the uh, Boston Celtics, but yeah, it is pretty. I'm not gonna go so far as to call it disrespectful that we're not playing on Christmas. The disrespectful part is the fact that they're putting the Knicks, who they're god awful. There's literally nothing interesting about them. 
and the Bucks, who are also very vanilla. Yes, they have Giannis. Yes, he's one of my favorite players to watch. But it's just like Bucks Knicks. How am I, I? I'm not even playing that game on FanDuel this year. I'm not even going to do it on Christmas. <laughs> that Day. is an I annual just, tradition. I mean, I sometimes I, I start playing. I start playing FanDuel every year on Christmas Day for the NBA season. So I will play every single game of the day. I'll play like an all-day match. So it's been an annual tradition for me. That's so how I get myself to tune in because honestly, I could care less about the matchups. I mean, we're going to watch LeBron, whatever team he's on. He's on the Memphis Grizzlies or whatever. They're going to get a primetime matchup against the Warriors. So I don't really care about that. That's why I rely on the fan duel on Christmas because I don't have interest. And you know what? If I'm a Pacers player, why do you want to go play on Christmas anyway? I mean, wouldn't yeah, you rather no have benefit. that day off? Like, I wouldn't want to work on Christmas. No, not at all. Speaking of gambling, I don't know if you guys saw the over-unders for wins came out this week as well. I think that was what I don't know the exact number, but it was either forty-seven or forty-eight and a half. I think for the Pacers, yeah, forty-eight around forty-eight. I think. I think I'm gonna put some heavy money on it. Yeah, we're definitely betting the over on that. Yeah, we have to. We got to put our money where our mouth is. We're a Pacers podcast. We got to believe, and it's no brainer. I mean, they won forty-eight last year. We can all agree this team's better. That's easy money in the bank, in my opinion. I think so too. At, at what point? I, yeah, I, I think it's probably that. That's one of those that's like right on the hitting, you know, the nail on the head. I think that's right where they're going to be. Yeah. I'm still going to go over because I'm obviously not going to go under and cheer for any losses. Um, but I think something interesting would be if we went down and like made a pick for every team, like individually, you know, put it on the podcast, make it official, and see who would have been like the best at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think that's some. That. I think that's a segment. It'll idea. give us some summer content we yeah, need for yeah. sure. Absolutely. So a lot of topics that have happened since the last time we recorded, um, but we're going to go ahead and dive into our interview with Mr. Grant Afseth. Hope you guys enjoy that. It's coming up next. All right, guys. As we previously mentioned, we have a very special guest today on the podcast. Uh, sitting with us today, we have Grant Afseth, uh, who is a founder and writer at NBA Analysis Network. You can find his website online at nbaanalysis.net, and he also writes uh, local columns for the uh, about the Pacers at the Kokomo Tribune, which, you know, we're from Kokomo, so we really respect that. So, Absolutely. Grant, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for it. Yeah, so uh, as I just mentioned, you just actually launched that uh, new website in July. So can you kind of explain to our listeners what topics or analysis you're spe- specifically focusing on for the new website? Yeah, so um, me and uh, my my friend Evan Massey, we started NBA Analysis Network, and we kind of wanted to make um, kind of like a multifaceted type of analysis website where we kind of do like more so um, where you have like uh, different layers to it, where you have, you know, kind of the simpler stuff like, you know, uh, three ways, um, you know, De'Aaron Fox can improve this summer and then also the more in-depth ones where it's like uh how um you know miles turner can take the next step as a player with like extensive analysis which is something that i'm going to be working on and having out very soon but like kind of like diversify the type of analysis so it appeals to kind of you know to every type of audience so you had previously i mean and you're still focusing on the pacers at the tribune but so You've previously focused a lot on the Pacers, so this website's just going to branch out to uh, all all thirty NBA teams, and you're just going to try to provide insight on each each of those teams specifically for their fans. Yeah, we have a lot of writers who are going to be uh, writing about you know all thirty teams, and uh, specifically me, I'm going to be focusing on the Pacers and also the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to be going to a lot of their games since I'm out at Arizona State. Um, 
for my sophomore year of college. So um, I kind of wanted to uh, have a platform where, you know, if I'm going to be seeing them a lot, I might as well, you know, write about them. Which Suns player are you most excited to watch this season? Um, I think I, I think definitely uh, Devin Booker because it was I went to some of their games last year and it was really really rough when he didn't play. I think uh, my, I was talking to my friends. I was like, "Are you sure you want to go to a Suns game? It might be really ugly because Devin Booker's out." And then we go and it's against the Spurs. and They lost by like fifty four points. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's a big factor in that offense, no doubt. Yeah, I, just real quick, I, I actually like watching the Suns. Um, what about Josh Jackson? He's one of those guys that I, I really respect, and he can really play. I think he could take the jump this year. Is he one of those guys you think could make that you know jump into, obviously not like NBA stardom by any means, but uh, more like uh, just a really good, solid player, and then maybe next year he jumps into a, you know a, a starting to have that conversation to be like an all-star forward. Do you see that in him? I mean, maybe I'm just crazy, but I see some flashes of greatness in him, I think. I definitely think he showed some great signs more towards the back half of last year with, um, you know, kind of like uh, he started off really rough. And if you look at his overall production, if you look at his uh, play type data, he was below average in all five of his main uh, offensive play types. So overall last year was pretty rough. And, you know, he definitely needs to improve that jump shot. So I I guess it kind of depends on – on how much he can improve that jump shot, and also how much within these new uh, these new pieces can he you know be a part of their offense? Because uh, I think with Devin Booker being such a high usage guy, and then you have um, you know you're adding DeAndre Ayton, who's going to be a fan favorite from day one, obvious you know for obvious reasons, being number one pick and also being a, a you know a home state product. You. You know, I, I don't know. I think he, I think he could take a, a leading forward this year because it was a pretty low bar last year that he set for himself. So I think the next step will be, you know, um, probably being a you know a starting quality player, and then I think that next year you're probably looking to be a good starter. And then I think probably I don't. I think he'll be a late bloomer in the NBA. I think he could become an All Star eventually. But that East, I mean, that Western Conference is so rough. It's just tough yeah. to really mentally map out the the future of, you know, forwards absolutely in the, in the West. Yeah. So I've been following you for over a year and a half now and all your tweets and your articles, um, they're big into analytics. What do you think analytics, why do you think analytics are so important in sports? I think it's important because you can sort of quantify, um, your observations. Of course, not data isn't perfect. And, um, you know, I think it's just a good way to be able to be like, um, you know, I think this unit's successful. You know, like, let's say, like, the Pacers starting five. And if I just said, like, oh, I think it's pretty good, then I don't really know. Like, the audience may not necessarily know what pretty good means. Yeah. Like, if it's, like, a, a net rating of, like, you know, 5.2, for example, then you kind of get an idea of, like, how good it is. And it aligns with your kind of, like, your, your observation. Same with, like, play type stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, like saying how good someone is off the dribble as a shooter, then you can at least have data to back it up. And most of the time data aligns with the observations that I'm making. So I feel like it's a good way to kind of like have a, a, a basis for it. Are there any like players that analytically just seem like they'd be terrible, but you watch them and you can see the impact maybe non-analytically that they have on the, the court as well. Is there anybody like that that comes to mind? I, I think, um, necessarily uh, not necessarily terrible but like not as probably um 
like analytics isn't too friendly to Lance Stevenson, but yeah. you know he has some games where you're like, wow, I mean, this game would not have been a win without Lance Stevenson, yeah. you know, taking over, you know, all that, you know, that sort of thing. Like, sure, Pacers fans are definitely familiar with with him, you know, his sort of impact. Like, you know, when he came back um, last year, uh, or not last year, the um, year before, you know, like the to end the season, and yeah. uh, I don't think they would have hit the playoffs if uh, he didn't. You know that that closing stretch. If he yeah, didn't sign, absolutely, so, you know, yeah, for sure. I, I think he's a good example. Yeah. On the flip side of that, who's somebody? Um, who, who's somebody that maybe is under underrated, and, and we don't think of him maybe as a star player, but analytics say say that he he's better than what we view him as in the public. I do think that. Um, I think a good example would be someone who. Um, like kind of like for, from a broad sense is someone who comes off the bench, but like um, his advanced analytics get dragged down because he's with like, like, uh, you know, a couple of defensive liabilities or, you know, some offensive liabilities. Uh, Cause bench units, it's hard to really construct a net positive unit. Cause usually less, you know, sometimes it's less than half over a league year and the aggregate um, net rating for bench players is, is not, is positive. Like, Sometimes it's like 12, sometimes it's 15. So, I mean, if you're like a guy like, let's say, um, Glenn Robinson the third last year, and you, you know, you don't necessarily play a ton of minutes, and you're you're playing with a, a bench unit, and you kind of aren't at a time where they're firing on all cylinders, you know, you could, you could look pretty bad with your advanced analytics. Right. Which brings me to my next point, because I, I figured that's where you were going with it. And I think one of those guys that's going to be a key player for the Pacers is Tyreek Evans. And you wrote an article in June about free agents that the Pacers could and should pursue, and Tyreek Evans was one of them. So obviously you were right on that prediction. Um, you kind of you kind of referenced him being a possible starter at small forward. That's kind of where I that's kind of where I was with it as well. But um, recently, it seemed like they're pushing him more towards that bench role, that that star off the bench. So um, with Lance gone, could you see him taking over a starting position eventually, or do you think he's going to be uh, relegated to that bench role throughout his one year contract with the Pacers? That's an interesting one. I do think, um, yeah, I think we were both thinking from the same sort of frame because I, I personally didn't think that Lance Stevenson was going to have his option decline. I kind of, I, I wasn't really having that in my sort of, you know, like uh, checklist of things that could happen. I mean, I, th- I thought there was a small chance it could, but I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, all right, well, Lance is gone, so here's what's going to happen. So I guess when you look at it now, I do think he's going to fill that bench role. And it's hard to really, like, if, let's say if we were to put him at, like, small forward next to Oladipo, it's kind of tough to really um, get playmaking from that bench unit because then you would probably be moving Bogdanovich to the um, to the bench. And yeah. then it's kind of redundant with uh, McDermott and Bogdanovich. And you don't really have a guy, you know, to, to really be a focal point as a playmaker in that unit anymore. So I think probably more so sticking to that backup two spot. Yeah, you literally, like you just said, if you did that, nobody – you couldn't give the ball to any of those guys if you slip or put Bogdanovich in the second unit. You couldn't give it, get the ball to any of those guys and say go to the rim because most McDermott, Bogdanovich, those are shooters. Joseph, he, I mean, he's a good point guard. He's he's very smart defensively. He's very good, but he's not a guy that's going to drive to the basket and create opportunities. So that's why I think definitely Evans off the bench is going to be a better play for the Pacers going forward, at least yeah. into the beginning part of the season. It. 
I, I just I view that if they did start Tyreek Evans, it sounds like it would be something like Kojo, uh, Bogdanovich, McDermott, Leaf, and Sabonis. That's a rather non-athletic group yeah. of guys. So yeah, I think it makes yeah. a lot more sense now than it did in June, probably. So with the uh, moves that the Pacers made in the offseason, is there a particular lineup that you're most looking forward to watching play on the court this year? I think I'm looking forward, um, you know, after studying a lot of pick and roll possessions, um, I think they definitely could use um, some more spacing in some of these units. And I do think I'm looking forward to having, you know, maybe uh, Bogdanovich at the four or maybe even McDermott sometimes. You know, those types of units I think could be pretty interesting, especially if you have uh, Tyreek Evans in there as well and you kind of have two two powerful playmakers in Oladipo and Evans with floor spacing. I think those could be pretty interesting. Yeah, and and kind of going off of that, uh, how do you envision the rotations playing out to start the year? Uh, So we pretty much already have an idea of what the starting unit's going to look like, the same exact one from last season. But how do you think that bench is going to look like, specifically, uh, you know, between the big men, we got – especially after signing O'Quinn. So the big man, we got Leaf, Sabonis, and O'Quinn. How do you think that plays out in the bench unit to start off the year? I do think that um, based on comments that uh, you know, like Kevin Pritchard has made throughout the offseason, I do think TJ Leaf is going to be the, um, the backup power forward. And then uh, Kyle O'Quinn can be like, a, you know, like the fifth big. I believe he actually, you know, he said that. Yeah, and he I did. think he'll, he'll probably match up based where, you know, if you're facing a big unit, because I think Nate McMillan said that he expects the East with LeBron being out of the Eastern Conference, it reverting more towards a uh, bully ball type of, uh, you know, like philosophy. So I think that's kind of why, you know, O'Quinn comes into the picture there. And I think it's it's definitely going to be like matchup based, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. The Pacers just recently signed Coach McMillan to an extension through 2020-2021. Uh, do you think what he did last year was warranted to sign that extension? I, I think he, um, I think he did a good job. Of course, I've seen uh, some criticism of him, yeah. and I think uh, no coach is perfect too. And I think it's also hard to truly, you know, say someone deserves or doesn't deserve a coaching, you know, extension or job because you know we're not really around the team on the day to day. We don't know how how much uh, you know a leadership can impact a guy like you know Victor Oladipo. And, um, you know, how much that plays a role into, um, you know, having a breakout season and things of that nature. So I do think, you know, he had success. It was a good year. And I think he, um, he did deserve a contract extension based on that, that season. You know, I, I could go on a list probably about things that, you know, he can improve. And then also a long list of things that he does well. So I think, you know, you also have to think who, who would who'd you replace him with? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't I really think of a whole lot of guys that would, um, you know, you could just like call up right now and replace McMillan and it's like a substantial upgrade or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the things too that gets kind of overlooked is even that previous season, I think it was the 16-17 roster, the one that everybody had those high expectations. You had Teague, Monte Ellis, Paul George. Um, And actually, I think I saw that maybe only like four or five of them players on that roster are still in the NBA. Maybe it's more than that. But still, there's a lot of players from that roster that are no longer in the league. So to get that seventh seed, and yeah, they got swept by Cleveland, looking back on it, to be able to do that with a team like that that has a lot of guys out of the league now, that was also kind of pretty impressive as well. Well, I definitely agree. I think uh, 
when you look back to that that year, um, you basically um, you look at the lineup production and uh, CJ Miles at shooting guard with the starting unit and uh, Glenn Robinson the third at at shooting guard with that starting unit. They both had very similar you know net rating results. I think I think the the unit with Robinson the third had seven point six net rating and seven point three with Miles and um, with Monte Ellis it was pretty rough. Yeah, and uh, their bench overall, the aggregate was like 28th, I believe, in net rating. So, I mean, it's just tough because I don't, I just don't think they had like the the necessary personnel, and it kind of had a trickle effect. Because if you had a backup power forward that was, you know, like a maybe Patrick Patterson, you know, who can space the floor and is a serviceable defender, then you wouldn't feel the need to bring CJ Miles off the bench, and then you could start him at shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, a lot has been said about Victor Oladipo and his kind of rise to be be one of those top players in the East. Um, but someone who I personally think doesn't get, you know, the recognition he deserves in that Paul George trade, obviously, you know, Sabonis. Um, he he improved last season, but the problems is um, him and Miles haven't really played together in many lineups. So do you think going forward, this is going to be a position battle between those two uh, for playing time, or do you think they can eventually play together? Personally, I think um, it might take more of an adjustment period for them to play together because, um, you know, Miles is going to have to become, you know, most likely because Sabonis hasn't necessarily developed a, a jump shot yet. Miles will probably have to be more so that outside threat, you know, with the, the spot up jumpers and, pick and pop and that sort of thing. And uh, he, he needs to improve his accuracy and um, be used, you know, more frequently and establish himself as a, you know, a three-point shooter. And um, I think Sabonis also kind of needs to improve that, um, his, his right hand, his finishing with that. There was a, a crazy stat I saw. It was like he had 101 post-up possessions, 96 finished with his left hand, and he only scored two points with his right hand. So I think there's like a lot of like um, pieces that both players will need to improve um, to be able to have like you know the results that the the final product results that a lot of people you know are are expecting or hoping for mm-hmm. and that, and that they need. So I, I do think I don't think there'll be a position battle because Miles he has the skills that you want in today's game more so than you would want from Sabonis in kind of like a a, a modern setting i feel like yeah, you know yeah. the rim protection the jump shooting and um you know the help defense things like that yeah i the problem with me i almost don't want them to play together because i think one thing turner has been working on obviously in the off seasons he's been putting the time in the weight room that's evident through the pictures that are being posted online um you know like you just said miles can hit the outside jump shot uh he can protect the rim i think the big knock on him and when i you know when i'm cussing at the tv in season is he's not very physical and so it's almost like i think he's going and he's getting stronger so i'm expecting him to be more physical but at the same time i don't want him to lose that 15 foot jump shot uh, off the pick and pop in the three ball so it's kind of, for me it's kind of you know, six one half dozen the other. I'd love for them to be able to play together, but at the same time, I just don't see them being able to work out. I guess does that make sense? Oh, I think it makes sense too. I think it there's kind of like a you know a pros and cons column, and I definitely can see the sort of cons. You know, I mean, in reality, not, neither of them are like the the quickest guy for today's game at, for a power forward. So struggling to cover in space is a real issue if you have the bonus at the four. And you don't the bonus 
at the five with Turner at the four because Turner is rim protection and his, you know, like overall, like I don't think the tools are comparable in terms of, you know, help defensive rim protection sort of production with the wing, wingspan and athleticism disparity they have. And then, you know, I, I just think overall, I think, um, I think it's worth trying. I think you should definitely try. I just think it's not like the most clean and perfect of fits right now because both players will need to kind of make adjustments and fix certain things and improve certain things. And um, I just kind of hope that, you know, this for this upcoming season that, you know, like most of the fan base kind of, you know, sets the expectations, you know, a little bit lower than what, you know, probably like uh, if it's not like a great success early on, then it's not like it shouldn't be a hit the red button panic moment type thing. Like it's going to take time. Yeah. And I think it's kind of important to, you know, to kind of be patient. There was an expectation going into last year that uh, Miles Turner was going to be the guy. We ended up seeing a slight dip in his production, specifically from points per game and rebounds per game. You mentioned at different points last season that part of it was due to his usage rate on the floor. So there are there any advanced statistics or analytics in particular that suggest even though there was a dip in numbers that he improved last season? Well, I think um, there are some like specific play type, you know, things that he um, he grew, and yeah. um, but it's not like substantial. I think it was kind of just a rough overall year between um, you know if you look at his uh, volume production, you know, like with the points per game and the rebounds. Yeah, he saw a dip in like 3.2 minutes per game. So I think uh, when you look at the per 36, pretty similar. Of course, mm-hmm. you want to see improvement. Yeah. But yeah. Um, he'll have to improve as a rebounder. But in terms of scoring, I do think that like uh, not really seeing a 0.5% increase in usage rate and then also seeing a dip in, uh, in um, minutes per game, I think that's kind of a, a tough uh, – you know, set of circumstances to truly overcome. I don't think he got better as a player last year, but I also don't think he necessarily regressed. I just, um, you know, I think overall it could help him in the long run because he knows, like, you know, certain aspects of his game that need to be improved. And it's the final product after receiving opportunity was improved because he was made more aware of that, then I think that could be sort of a silver lining sort of situation. Yeah, I remember just at the beginning of the the season, that injury kind of got him off on the wrong foot. He never really looked that comfortable after that. In honor of Miles Turner, though, in honor of Miles Turner, though, we're going to put you on the spot, Grant, and we're going to ask you to name as many types of yoga as you can off the top of your head. Honestly, I actually can't name a single type. Not actually. even, not even like hot yoga. <laughs> I can't name a single. No yoga. No yoga from Grant. That's fine. He knows all these statistics, but no yoga. What a what yoga position do your analytics say would help Miles turn to the most? Do you have that information for me now, or do I have to go somewhere else to find it? Uh, you probably have to go somewhere else for it. But uh, um, in terms of like um, in areas to improve, I do think. Uh, rolls to the basket and um, sort of like uh, extending that range yeah. will help him a lot. I agree. Right. Well, this, you know, this Pacer team, specifically the starting five, uh, they have a ton of chemistry. Obviously, we're ha- bringing the same starting five back. Um, that doesn't mean there isn't room for improvement on the roster, obviously. So I think most people believe we're anywhere between a two seed to a four seed, maybe even a five seed. So there's obviously, there's got to be some improvement to the roster if we're going to compete for an Easter Conference title. So could you see any specific players 
or a position that the Pacers could target during the season, maybe to improve the roster via trade? Well, that's a tough, uh, a tough one because wing players, uh, you know, a more dynamic uh, defensive wing and more dynamic offensive wing, like a ironically a Paul George type of guy. You know, that's kind of the mold that I'd be looking for. But those are impossible to really Who's find. That now? So I don't know if you'd be able to really do that uh, mid-season. And then, I mean, I could see where you can. Uh, get a more dynamic uh, point guard um, and how there are some available for trade and how that could improve your team and, you know, have more of a, a layered attack for the playoffs. Cause we saw with Victor Oladipo getting trapped against the Cavaliers who are ranked 29th in defensive rating during the regular season. Yeah. Like if you get a, if you get another point guard in there, like I, I, not, I haven't really put too much thought into that, but you know, a guy like, cause you know, you have to take other things into consideration, like, you know, his contract and pending, like, upcoming free agency. But a guy maybe like Kimball Walker or something, you know, um, who can just, you know, run pick and rolls as well and help Victor, you know, attack defenses and let him be more of an off-ball guy and simplify the game that way. Those were pretty much our tough, hard-hitting questions. So you're off the hot seat on those questions. But now we're, we're going to kind of <laughs> liven this up a little bit, okay? So... Question uh, number one here. So you can work. First one's a Pacer question. So I guess maybe we should have put it in the last group, but that's okay. If you could pick one Pacers player, past or present, you get to choose to interview for the site, your site, who would it be and why? Well, hmm, that's actually a really good question. I mean, I think the obvious one would probably be Reggie Miller, but I do think Paul George would be a pretty interesting person to interview. Who? And I think you would get quite a reaction. Paul George? Paul George. I think that would be kind of a, like to ask him, uh, not like, you know, softball questions, like some legitimate questions. Right. Yeah. That definitely and would get I think it would be kind of interesting to see how it's received from a Pacers fan. Yeah. No, uh, if you could write this down, just ask him, who is Playoff P? And just say, why do you give yourself a nickname when you don't show up in the playoffs? Just write that down just in case you, he ever comes up. <laughs> All right, so moving on from that, are there any plans in the works to get the phrase Afseth Bomb patented now <laughs> for when you become big like Woj at breaking the hottest NBA news? Honestly, I don't know if I'll, I'll be able to break news or stuff like that, but uh, I do uh, I do think that's a, a funny phrase. I've had some people send me photos where uh, I don't know if uh, – um, I don't know if you know the, the picture – but uh, it's like of uh, like like in the replies to to Woj, how they have his face on like an atomic bomb. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that. us, man. That was, that that's was us, us, buddy. We created that photo. Oh, that, that was you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was us. But yeah, that meant, that took us at least like three to five minutes to create that picture. So that does mean a lot to us that you you know you like it. So you're a sophomore at Arizona State. What's it like on a, just a day to day basis, like trying to keep up with the Twitter? get all the latest NBA news and then like go to class and be a normal student. Is that like hectic? What's your day to day like? Well, it, it, it kind of depends on the year. Like, uh, you know, going out there in August, it'll probably not be that hectic because I'm still doing the, you know, the general classes. And honestly, my degree is not hard. It's sports and media studies. So I think it'd actually be easier yeah. to not be on the generals. But, uh, like uh, in April, it was really tough because, uh, I was helping, uh, uh, basketball trainer Joey Burton was doing some analytical reports for some of his pre-draft players, and I was in the middle of a uh, final studying, and uh, I was also in the middle of writing game notes about the Pacers and stuff, and uh, that was kind of pretty rough. I, I got probably like uh, three hours of sleep uh, 
that around that that time period each day that's crazy grant i i have a question before i ask my actual question do you have a girlfriend i do not okay perfect now that that makes this question a lot easier so you go to arizona state and if i mean just if you just google arizona state the number one things that pops up is like the parties and the women do you have any good stories for us at all that we can live like vicariously through you uh, maybe of other people going to parties and stuff, but oh, I, like, I didn't really have time last year. Like your, and, uh, like your friends? I do, uh, oh, sorry. What'd you say? I, no, I cut you off. No, I, I was like, you know how everyone says, yeah, my friend has these problems. Like I don't party, but my friend does. So I can tell you the story. Is it like one of those situations? <laughs> like, yeah. No, anyways, go ahead. I was just kidding. Uh, what's kind of funny though. I like, I don't know if you saw the list, but this was random on my Twitter timeline, like the list of top 10 party schools. And uh, I hear that um, our school pays to not be on it, and University of Arizona wasn't on it either. So I thought that's—I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. What is the most random class required for your degree that you've had to take so far? Well, um, I just finished actually a summer class, a Beatles history class for my uh, <laughs> like a credit that I have to do. Wow. So I guess that one's kind of weird. That's awesome. That's definitely weird. For we sure. got to get you off following Dwight Howard to his next team to going to some parties man you got to get out there and ex- experience arizona state <laughs> we've all made some bad sports takes throughout the years but is there one in particular that you have made before that stands out um i don't have like a long history yet so it's kind of tough yeah but um um maybe that that 2016 17 uh pacers team i thought they'd be better than what they were yeah. i thought they'd be more you know towards the top of the east but you know they finished seventh and got swept in the first round so maybe that one yeah. So, so writing, uh, you were writing for Indiana. You're still writing for the Tribune. You've been doing Pacers coverage for all this time, uh, and still at a very young age. Are there any like you know beat reporters, writers in in Indiana that you kind of look up to for you know that you've read all these years that kind of motivated you to go into this? Like, is there anybody that you know is kind of like your role model from the state of Indiana that you know some of these writers out here? Um, I do think that uh, a couple of writers that um, I've, I've looked up to and have been pretty helpful to me are guys like uh, Greg Doyle and uh, Bob Kravitz. They're they're they've been really nice to me and uh, have I've met them a couple times and you know getting their feedback on stuff's pretty cool and uh, I think uh, more so national NBA analysts. I, you know, obviously like the the easy answer would probably be like Zach Lowe. He's uh, he's a good one to read and you know kind of yeah emulate if you will and uh there's just a lot of talented nba writers out there it's hard to name them all but um definitely like local there hasn't really been a whole lot of uh pacers uh beat writers because you know you only have the star and then um candace buckner was like the the first one um and she's on the she's covering the wizards now and then uh, nate taylor you know he's not he he was only there for a year and then they didn't really have one last year so it's kind of tough to look up to a you know a Pacers writer when they're they're they're, they're kind of like in and out quite it's a, a revolving bit. door of employment right now that's for sure definitely so, yeah so Grant that's uh that's all we had for you today we appreciate you coming on once again guys this is Grant Afseth he writes on NBA NBA Analysis Network you can find them online as I mentioned before at nbaanalysis.net and he also writes for the Kokomo Tribune so if you're in the area go pick up your during the basketball season go pick up a copy of the Tribune Go to the sports page. You'll find them in there writing about the Pacers. So, Grant, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Bye. Bye. 
All right, well, that wraps up our interview with the Grand Ass Seth. Hopefully that Ass Seth bomb gets patented here soon. But, guys, what is your takeaway, biggest takeaway from our interview with Grant today? Just that he's a sophomore in college, and he's doing all this NBA news, gaining a legit following on Twitter. Jake's mad because I took his answer, I think. But I think it's just so impressive. Like, I couldn't imagine being a sophomore and, like, his writing and – doing all that work and then trying to go to class. He made it sound like it was easy. So Yeah, and the big thing for him too now is he just started school, and as you said, going into his sophomore year, and he's already got this following. Just imagine what it could be like, you know, once he graduates. And, you and know. he knows his stuff, so he's just a natural. And he's met it. some really cool people along the way. He's yeah. got connections. So, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, he he was solid. Like like you guys said, he's a young, young guy. He's only a sophomore in college. He's got – Many more good years ahead of him in college, so I'm kind of jealous of that at Arizona State. But I think the one thing I took away from it was he is very analytics-based, um, and he's able to back up his answers with facts, things that can't be you know argued. And I think his his versions of describing why certain players are good, you know, playing with second units, or why they're bad playing with certain second. I think all those things are very interesting, and they're things that the average fan. Um, really doesn't care to break down, but you know a nerd like me and like you guys, just pacer guys, trying to figure out who the best five are on the floor at once. Those things matter, and I think Grant's going to have a very, 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 very bright career. And I enjoy reading his stuff on the Kokomo Tribune. To be honest, yeah. With you. Thanks to Grant for joining us. Should we do a little Born Ready to Pod story time and talk about how we we got Grant's number originally? Go for it. Okay, so it was about a year ago. We started this group text more which than a year ago. Which led to the podcast. Which yes. led to the podcast. And we all idolized Grant just because he would throw stuff up. Just crazy stuff. Just like awesome analytics stuff. And we'd all just go nuts over it every day. And I think we DM'd him. Asked him if he would like to be added to the group slid chat. Slid the DMs. We slid in the DMs 100%. I think it was the day before last year's draft. He was super busy. Somewhere around there, yeah. He just gave a random stranger his number. And like completely <laughs> ignored anything his mother ever taught him. And we just started texting him, blowing him up, just about dumb pacer stuff. Speaking of blow up, the Grand Afseth bomb was born in that chat, yep, I believe. it was. And he yeah, eventually I, just ignored, started ignoring us, which yeah. I can't blame him for. <laughs> how cool was it, though, that he mentioned the picture and we created the photo? I know, and he had no idea. He was no just, idea. He probably thinks we're weird stalkers now if yeah. he listens to this, but whatever. Yeah, so we kind of talked about it in the opening segment, so we'll wrap it up kind of with a conversation about this. We talked about the over-unders that came out. Uh, here recently, um, the Pacers, they were at 47.5. Mm-hmm. I think we all three were, I mean, we're biased, obviously. So I think we're all, we're all in agreement that that was over 47.5, correct? Exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's right there. Anyway, I wouldn't be shocked if like 46 or something crazy like that. But unless there were some major injuries, I couldn't see it being too much lower. Um, but I never would bet the under on that because that's just the worst thing to do if you're an actual fan. So no, I you never bet, bet the, the under on your favorite team. <coughs> Whether you bet the over and they make it good, I mean that's all good and well. But you don't bet. You don't want them to lose games. You're not going to root for them to lose games. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So speaking of favorite team, we're not going to be biased with these other ones. I'm going to throw out some random teams from this list, and you guys are going to tell me over under on these. Ooh, love it. So. Let's first start with the Atlanta Hawks. They're listed at 23.5. That's tough. I mean, I think they definitely got better, wouldn't you think? Under. You're going under? They got rid of their starting point guard. They got Trey Young. Uh, I've seen Trey Young play. They got Carmelo Anthony for a day. 
So <laughs> don't love, don't love Trey Young. They have Vince Carter now, so that tells you that they're going to have some veteran leadership. But and they're going to purposely tank. They are yeah. tanking. So I'm going under on that. I'm going to go under as well. That point five. I think they're going to be right around like twenty. Yeah, twenty is a good number. I think most likely though they are the worst team in the league. Probably. Probably. So uh, next one that kind of jumps out: Cleveland, thirty point five. Losing LeBron, they haven't really gotten anybody. They have all those role players left and Kevin Love. What do you guys think about that one? I think they're going to stumble into 25 wins easy. Now, 30 and a .5, that's interesting. I mean, Vegas obviously knows what they're doing. There's people that speculate that they could get the eighth seed. I mean, if Sexton's a beast, I, I think the bet would be over here. But I'm not surprised either way. I mean, 30 is a pretty good line. Over for me as well. I think the East is very weak. I think they're easily, like Hawk alluded to, I would say I would say they're an easy bet for about 27. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they get to play the Hawks. Um, the Pistons aren't going to be great. The uh, Nets. Yeah. There's Hornets, just a lot of Bulls. very poor teams. I think they just run. Yeah, they get to play the Bulls four times. The one thing for them, though, is they are – the Central Division isn't easy. It's not a cakewalk. Yeah. So Milwaukee – I mean, we think they're overrated, but they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pacers, then you, well, you don't have Cleveland anymore. So, I mean, the Pacers actually have a really good shot of winning the division this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and then I, the Bulls are up and coming. They have a young roster. I still Bulls. think over. I think I would be pretty comfortable saying 35 wins for that team. I think that, that one's the easiest one we've had so far. Speaking of Central Division, let's keep it there. One team I just forgot to mention, but we're about to bring them up. The Detroit Pistons. Pistons. Are at 37.5. So, Blake Griffin getting a full season in Detroit. Drummond. Drummond. They got, what, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. Luke Kennard. Under. Well, they, they signed somebody else this offseason. I forget who it was. Doesn't matter. They got Zaza. They got, they got Zaza. Zaza. Blake Griffin will be hurt at some point, like he is every single year. Drummond still has no And I read that Drummond is, like, practicing that three-point shot this year. Like, he's oh, been doing that all offseason. I will now Don't throw my life savings on under. I will now throw my life savings on under if he's shooting threes. <laughs> I don't have that much on life savings, so I'll take. I'll match your bet with the over. Ooh! <laughs> what? What's why over? Just be. I mean, it's it's a good number, and they got some. They got some players. Like, I mean, if they if they and they have a good coach, and they have a decent coach. I mean, thirty-seven point five seems fair. I'm going to just go over. I mean, he's, he's like, a random. He's so good. Didn't they strip him of his GM powers? Coach That's of the how year. good he is. Coach of the year, baby. And right. we're going over. Dwayne Casey. I know. Detroit's I, back, I baby. Rock City. But what I'm saying is, you know, they was built by this team was built by a guy that lost his job. Now you get Dwayne Casey. He can be a great coach, but unless he figures out a way to get Andre Drummond to have, like, a little hook shot, I don't. he can do anything. I mean, just do something. Let's he, just be honest. Stan Van Gundy... Good coach, terrible GM, and that's what's the worst is when you really want to sign one of these coaches. Like Van Gundy had all that success, and he had Miami and Orlando. When you want to sign a guy like that, you have to give him like those powers to make right. transactions. And I, you can't focus on both of those at the same time. Yeah. And he practically just was like, screw it. I know I'm going to get fired at the end of the year. I'm going after Blake Griffin. And he took on that contract and gave up some first-round picks for him as well. So I, Yeah, and... I- Blake Griffin's a fine player. I mean, it's the type of guy you're going to get in Detroit, just like Indiana. I mean, you're not getting a star to sign there. So I, I get the Blake Griffin deal, but Griffin gets hurt 
every single season. What happens when he gets hurt? All of a sudden, you're 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 going to say Reggie Jackson, who also gets hurt and who also doesn't take care of the ball. He's going to have the ball in his hands. Let's throw it down to Andre Drummond, and unless he's dunking, he has no postman. That's why I say under. But it is the East, so maybe I'm the dumb one. <coughs> and they're going to be in the mix for that eight seed. There's like what four or five teams probably that oh, yeah. could potentially oh, yeah. reach up and get it. Yeah. And if I had to guess, I'd say the eight seed is going to have right at forty wins. That's why I think they could get the eight seed. Wouldn't surprise me. I think they could snag it. Uh, up next. This one's kind of tricky, but we're going with Golden State. They're at 62.5. So I imagine they're going to rest a lot of Yeah, I'd say under just They're not going for a big win season because they know they're going to win in the playoffs. So I would go under on that because they don't care what happens in the regular season. They get a top four seed. Who cares? They get the eighth seed. I mean, who cares? It would be a bet I'd stay away from, though. Because, I mean, if Cousins comes back healthy and he's just, like, ready to go and they're just winning all the time, Cousins might be like, let's go for it. Definitely one I wouldn't bet on Yeah. because you don't know either way. Either they could play everybody the entire season. And their second unit's so good. I mean, they could win some games they're not supposed to, just resting people. That's one I'd stay away from for sure. Yeah. But I'd guess under. Um, So let's go next. Los Angeles Lakers. 48.5. 48.5. Under. Um, not a lot under. Um, that I don't feel great about that. I'm just not 100% sure that... Um, I don't know that LeBron's really into this basketball thing anymore. <laughs> I mean, I was looking... I mean, obviously, he's still into the basketball thing, but he's, like, producing or writing or a part of, like, nine different mm-hmm. shows right now. Like... There's a reason he went to L.A. and it wasn't to win championships. Like, he obviously wants to win championships, but he's not, like, working on his jump shot hardcore. He can't because he's at Ronnie Jr.'s games. He's directing. He's writing. He's doing all these things, and it's not exactly screaming, like, I want the Lakers to win a championship this year. And I just don't see it. So I guess I'll just go under, but I never – I hate betting against LeBron, so maybe I'm the dummy again. Yeah, I think – LeBron, he just made a school, so he's obviously doing big things in the community. He wants to run for president too. Maybe one day for sure. And but forty-eight point five, there's going to be those first month of the season where they have struggles starting out. Always with LeBron and a new team, there's always that discussion after like a month or two. Have they? When are they going to figure it out? They're they're going through a rough patch right here. Blah blah blah. So if I was a betting man, I'd also bet the under, but it would be a scary, scary year watching that. And if, if they got, they're, if they're in the East, I take it. But since mm-hmm. they're in the Western Conference, tough, I think tough they go West. under on that one as well. Uh, next up, let's go OKC. They are at 50.5. I'm going to say under there, too. I mean, I just – I don't – you lose Mello, and then everyone just automatically thinks they're better. I mean, they got Alfred Payton, right? I mean, that's somebody that could produce, no, I guess. No, it was uh, Schroeder. Schroeder, whatever. I always get those two confused. So I'm just going to throw it out under on it. I don't really care about them that much. I, I under, sure. Let's, well, I'll just say 48. I, just Schroeder's not very good. I know we have some Pacers followers that wanted him like desperately for the Pacers. His numbers aren't great. He doesn't play good defense. Uh, but then again, he's playing with Russell Westbrook, who's just going to put up stats like crazy. Um, they got another guy who's decent. Uh, he wears number 13, I think. Uh, he's a good player, but they're not great. Someone in the West is going to have to fall, 
if some of these other teams are going to rise, I think OKC is the perfect team to fall. And I, I'm going under as well. I think they're. I hate agreeing with you on everything though. So no matter what you say next time, I'm taking the opposite. Okay, perfect. I think the Lakers are going to be a better team though. So I think 50.5 is kind of high. That's why I would. I think they'll. I think the Lakers will finish higher in the playoff race personally. Uh, next, let's go with the. Uh, since we just had Grant on, we'll go with this one next. The Phoenix Suns. 28.5. Uh, can I go finish? They don't have a point yeah. guard right now. Uh, Under. Um, I've watched them play several times. Uh, Grant mentioned how great Devin Booker is. He's another guy. I don't think he plays very good defense. Um, but he does create that matchup problem on the he offense. He scored 70 game. points in a loss before and took a picture. And that's exactly my point. Um, Aiton, he's going to be a solid player. I'm not sure what he's going to give you as a rookie, but he's another guy. I'm just very skeptical of clogging the middle when you got athletes. I think he could actually stunt the growth of Josh Jackson. Uh, when, when you're not used to winning, it's a lot like my Cleveland Browns are probably going to be this year. they got a decent roster, some young guys that can play, but until you, you get that winning culture, I'm not sure I would ever bet the over on anything with, with a losing team. Since we're going opposite, I'm going to say over. They got all the potential in the world with Aiton, Jackson, Booker, and now they got a veteran with Ariza. I think he's going to make that team better all around. So I, I would bet over, but he's, it wouldn't he's be playing point guard, though. That's they have Brandon Knight and some other guy right now. Let's let Devin bring it up. Oh, that's perfect. Brevin Knight, he's the perfect player for this. Just Brevin. throw Aiton out Brevin there. Knight, that's what do. Like years ago. Aiton what, did he say Yeah, he said Brevin. I miss Brevin. I actually liked Brevin Knight. He's a stud. I For a couple of years, I really liked him. Yeah. But right. Brandon Knight, he's kind of – he's he got paid a couple times, didn't he? He got paid one big time, and now he's just jumping around. He's right? got the bag yeah. a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Let's finish these out. Uh, a few more. We'll, no, we'll go next with the Sacramento Kings. 25.5. Under. This is my favorite bet. This is this is the bet I feel the, easily the strongest on. This is a hard over. Hard over? Hard over. Why? Why? Um, number one, uh, this this is what happened to the Nets last year. The Nets suck. Oh, my God. You know, the, the Cavs are going to get number one pick. And then guess what? All of a sudden, the Nets aren't tanking. They're not going to tank. Aren't we doing the Kings? Like we that? are, but that's what I'm telling okay. you. That's what I'm saying. The Nets did not have a first-round pick, therefore they did not tank. The Kings, same thing. They do not have a first-round pick next year. They are not going to be tanking. Bagley, Fox, they've got some players that can really play. I I think that they, they more so than Phoenix. I like them better than Phoenix at this point, honestly. Um, and Phoenix has the name guys, and they have the better, the best player in Booker. But they also sit and they rest, and they're trying to get all these picks and this and that. The, the Kings don't have to worry about that this year. They're not going to give one game away for a draft pick. And I think that says a lot. I think I'd be going over, hard over, feel great about it. 30 wins, book it. Sounds like you want a King Suns Christmas Day matchup is what it sounds like. I might as well. I'm getting Nick's buck, so I might just throw that my way as well. All right, let's wrap it up with these. I'm going to give you two of them at once. Oh, no. Because of that trade that just went down a couple weeks ago. They got the Spurs at 43.5 and the Raptors at 54.5. So San Antonio, about 11 wins shorter than the, uh, the Raptors at 43.5. Toronto at 54.5. For the Spurs, I'm just going to throw an over. It's Popovich. He's guaranteed 40 wins. Like, that's already in the bag. 
I think DeRozan will fit well. I think he'll be able to scheme him well. Patty Mills, I mean, they got guys. Aldridge, I think this team will, if I had to guess, for over 40. And they're on a mission, too. And they're on a mission. They're pissed yeah. off. Greg Popovich, over. Done. Done. 43, whatever. 43 and then and now we're on to Toronto. What do you think for that? I'm going under. I don't. Maybe quiet plays. Quiet plays, they have a good chance of going over. But all it takes is for him to get a hangnail. And then he's like, I don't want to play in Toronto. I know I'm going to get the deal next year. So he decides he doesn't want to play. If he doesn't play in 25% of their games, I don't see how they get to that number. And I would just, just bet the under. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not even really worried about the Raptors if as a Pacer fan this year. I'm more worried about Boston 1, you know, the 76ers 2, and then I'm like Pacers 3. I don't even – the Raptors, fine, they got Kawhi, but I just don't see him being what he was this year. Yeah, new coach, Kawhi. I mean, it all points to under. Like, But I don't know. I'll just say over just for the hell of it, just to, to make things interesting. But I agree. <laughs> under is a safe bet, but I'm, I'm a crazy gambler. I'll just go with what's not working and – Sometimes I'll win big. You never know. I was watching an NBA show. I can't even remember. It might have been fast. It was something that they were just talking about. Um, well, the Raptors, they kept their offensive coach, so they're going to be just fine. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, the Raptors are one of my least favorite teams to watch. It's like, oh, let's get the ball to DeMar DeRozan. He's going to dribble to 15 foot, and he's going to shoot it. Like That's yeah. not even how the NBA game is played now, and they're bragging that they got their offensive coach to stay as their head coach. I just don't buy it. Uh, I'm going under. Yeah. All right, well, there's several other teams on there. We're not going to go through all of them, but hopefully Freezing Cold Takes listens to this, and a year from now you guys get put on blast. Hopefully. That's what I'm here for. Sounds good. So before, Speaking of putting on blast, this is uh, I, Chris has screwed up the, uh, twice. the plug-in twice, so um, I didn't want him to get off scot-free. I know we're getting ready to get off here, but yeah. No, I actually have one more question. So tweet at him and call him a big dumb idiot. Yeah. I have one more question. Okay. So 1070 the fan put on today. They had a question on their Twitter. Name the most your favorite random Pacers player of the last I ten years. So does anybody last come to ten? your mind? Yes. I think the Andrew Bynum stunt instantly comes to mind. Yeah. Like the hype and the, that first game, and then it just it all disappeared so fast. That one he comes had like to mind. two games, and then he was like an absolute beast. Yeah. And then he was done. Didn't even sit on the bench for the playoffs. I don't even like random. I'm going to, like, be laying in bed at night and think that one random guy big time, but uh, Rosho Nesterovich. Yeah, he was on there. Someone said him. Uh, Rosho. Um, TJ Ford, he was, like, a random guy my grandpa was obsessed with for, like, five James weeks. Posey. Oh, James Posey. Oh, I forgot James Posey. Oh, we screwed that up. Didn't we Didn't we waive him? Did, remember when they redid all those contracts and then you were able to get rid of one contract? It was the lock after the lockout. The they gave you one. Where, yeah, you could amnesty one guy. <laughs> and we could James him. Posey. He, he was, was like making like year, six million. One year, six year. mil, and they were so cheap. They were like, we're going to amnesty James Posey. When he was still like, okay, he was just yeah. like that venture. He was like a little worse version of Trevor Ariza. He won a James ring in Boston, didn't he? Yes. Oh, I'm yeah, sure I think so, yeah. Um, Monte Ellis also. I mean, I know he stayed a while and it wasn't that random, but he was just so over the hill and he was just so terrible to watch. And that's still a very good pick. Very yeah. random. Very random. Just like that over the hill all-star that people, you know, overhyped coming in. That's that's my pick now. Gosh dang it. I think I still got to go Rosho just because I like completely forgot his existence. Rosho Nesterovich. We're talking Rosho Nesterovich. But no, seriously, I think the better thing is uh, Earl Watson. Yes. I'm trying to get him on the pod. CJ Watson, too. That was 
a short-lived stint. Quiet so, storm, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of guys. Copeland. I, I saw Copeland on the, the 1070 Twitter. I'm <laughs> starting to – I think I'm starting to fade away from that, like, the decade away thing. But Sarunas Yesikevichess, I've mentioned several times, had his jersey. Just a random, just a random dude, just trying to play point guard as a thirty-five-year-old rookie. I mean, what the heck? There's an awesome Chris Copeland picture, and it goes perfectly with the booty hat me like caption. We'll definitely throw that up on the main Twitter page on Monday when this comes out. What about like Eddie Gill or something like that? Uh, More than ten years. But he's still he's still random pacer guy. Yeah, love him. Love that guy. He's a real good guy. All right, that will wrap up episode eleven. I can't believe we filmed or uh, recorded eleven episodes, but episode eleven of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. We actually are in the works. We have some T-shirts potentially that are being made. So if you have any interest in that, please make sure you reach out to us. And we will uh, give you the details on that. But those are coming soon. So And we now have a logo, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's also very cool. So We're wearing the shirts now. We're just staring at each other's shirts. So They're awesome shirts. Good, Great radio there. I'd spend 50 bucks on this shirt in the store. I don't know about you guys. I almost I'd spend, did. How much is a big baller brand shirt? I'd spend that on it. 600 <laughs> Yeah. Well, on sale. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks again to Grant Afseth for joining us today. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We will see you uh, next week for episode 12. See ya. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.